This is Dave Gans, Senior Fellow of Industry Affairs at the Medical Group Management Association. And today I'm here with Bill Son. Bill is the principal of the Son Group, a healthcare consulting firm that focuses on marketing. And he's also uh, a member of a larger healthcare marketing company. A consulting company, Gelb. Gelb Consulting. Yes. Thank you. In Houston. Yeah. Uh, Bill and I are going to talk today regarding how a practice, a healthcare organization, can present itself and its services to a newer generation of patients. These are the individuals. These are not necessarily the millennials, but these are younger patients who think differently and have a different concept of what what is important to them and how they're going to find a doctor. These are patients who a practice may have may realize that their traditional methods of presenting themselves are no longer reaching this group. A great example would be at one time a practice made sure it had a presence in the so-called yellow pages. Younger patients don't even know what this is. Similarly, younger patients may not even have a landline and a permanent they'll have a permanent phone number but may have a different area code from where they reside because they've kept their cell phone number for them to hold for years and years. So different patients, different issues. So Bill, what can a practice do? What can a practice do? Well, uh, let me start how you mentioned millennials and uh, Gen X is probably in there too. And then there are post-millennials too. The millennials, the oldest of them are now almost 40. So they are well launched on their adulthood, their adult careers, their adult families, well, etc. Well, they have kids. Yeah, <laughs> they do. And then um, post millennials are people who were born 1997 and on. And the oldest of them are now 20, 21, all of whom are prospective patients, of course. They have uh, some similarities. Well, I mean, the younger you are, the more immortal you are. I mean, you never think you're going to get sick. If you're lucky, you're relatively healthy. And consequently, health care is not top of mind. Providers themselves are pretty much afterthoughts for younger people. The demand they, uh, uh, that they generate is usually urgent or acute care. If, uh, if they want to see a doctor, yeah. they see the doctor. They see the doctor. They don't necessarily looking for a long-term relationship. Right. Is that a summary? Right. I think that's true. And, you know, some of the things that make them a little different from the generations that came before them is that for many of them, health is an action. It's not a description. It's exercise. It's eating right. It's, it's being outside. And the other thing that distinguishes them is that they're digital natives. Um, yeah. So when you say digital native, mm-hmm. okay, what, what do you mean? What I mean is is that they'll do, in terms of healthcare, they'll do everything digitally. They'll do research. They get their word of mouth digitally from rating services as well as moms and dads and friends. And their transactions themselves trend toward being online as much as they possibly can. So um, the term patient portal and web page means something. It means something, <laughs> and it's critically important, and the way it's designed is critically important as well. So, I mean, you know, there are lots of tactics for getting to them. It still all devolves down to lead generation and referrals, of course, but you got to stay in front of them. It's social media, basically. Uh, you have to invest in reputation management. The first thing many of these people will do will be go to Yelp or go to Google uh, Ranking. So when you're talking about social media, mm-hmm. we're not necessarily saying a Facebook page. Not really. No. 
because we're talking about the rating companies, Yelp being the most the most notable. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I suspect you're talking about the community bulletin boards, because mm -hmm. I see those. Because here in Denver, I belong to my local community bulletin board, yeah, and every day I see an announcement looking for a dentist, mm -hmm. looking for a pediatrician, yep. or a lost dog. Yeah, <laughs> because right. and people look at opinions of their neighbors before they look anywhere else. They do, they do. What used to be word of mouth from friends, from family, etc., uh, has sort of migrated online. Yeah. And social media does also mean Instagram and Facebook and the like. Uh, you know, it is a way, those are ways to stay in front of prospective patients yeah. as well. Another thing I think that providers need to do um, is customer data. I, if you know, I know so many of our clients who collect customer data and do nothing with it. You can really get to know who your patients are and what your strengths are by uh, studying your patient data. Um, okay, so let's talk about patient data. Okay. All right? Mm -hmm. uh, I suspect we're not necessarily talking population health, which is one term people mm -hmm. use. We're talking about patient demographics. Yes. Who are their patients? Where are they from? And not only their address, but other, other parts of the patient. Tell me more. Yeah, whatever you could find out, actually. Um, economic class, of course, clinical class, any sort of psychographics you can find. Um, and there you get into uh, categorizing people, not necessarily by demographics, but by persona, meaning I'm a young mom, uh, communication touch points are going to be different from the young mom's, uh, actually, uh, husband, for that yeah. matter. And there are a ser series of persona that you can create. I mean, you know, there's no right way to do it, but, um, uh, but they're all based on the circumstances mm -hmm. of the patient, yeah. him or herself. Yeah. So how do you collect it? You ask them? Or is, it per, or is it more peripheral, in other words? It's both, actually. Okay. I mean, the more honest way is, is to ask them. Yep. And, you know, I, I mean, there's a, there's a limit to what people are willing to reveal, and you've got to respect that uh, as well. But, you know, there are all sorts of lists and data sources out there that can be tapped. I always used to say when I was, uh, when I headed a... Uh, marketing department. Big, big brother's not so bad if you happen to be big brother. Nice term. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but I mean, there are, you know, without being manipulative, you don't want to violate your own moral uh, standing, no. but um, there's a lot of data out there as well as uh, the kind you can gather uh, by asking and from your own clinical records. Yeah. In your opinion, should a practice, especially a larger practice, look at purchasing some of this data because many of the social media companies offer demographics on their customers mm -hmm. that are available to commercial business. Mm -hmm. I do recommend it. Given recent news events, it, it feels less, a little more sleazy than it used to be, but, <laughs> but there are legitimate places to buy the data. Or, yeah. you know, there's claims data. Yeah. There's a, Okay, well, if you have the data, what do you do with it? That's a trade secret. Yeah, no, no. Yes and no. Basically, what you do is you you can profile whole groups of people. You can market individually, for that matter. That's one of the great glories of digital marketing. 
you can see what kind of differentiation uh, might be uh, interesting to or might apply to different patients and different prospective patients as well. So, but that is a common problem: is you go off and you get data, and then you don't do anything with it. Yeah, it just sits there. Uh, so you can say, "I've got data." Yeah, but well, how you use it? You study who these people are. You study how they use you. Uh, from that, you can tell what your strengths really are. You um, study their larger demographics, their larger psychographic, how they contacted you the first time, uh, which will also tell you what kind of media to use to get people just like that. And how you reach other people like them. Mm -hmm. uh, let me change the subject a little. Sure. Because we've talked about how to reach people. How does an organization realize it's not reaching the patients they, they want to have, these, these younger individuals? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you're a large healthcare organization, and you're sitting up in that executive level, how would you know that your marketing f efforts are not reaching the right patients? Well, volume, of course, is the... That's know, the classic. The, yes. Yeah, the, the number one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and again, studying your own data will tell you the age of, um, age of your patients. But you bring up an interesting point, because it's business 101 that you know customer flow. You know yeah. where they're getting care. Well... You know, hospitals compare their volume to other hospitals, but there's so many pr providers out there, and they don't know, they don't even know who refers to them uh, very efficiently. Mm -hmm. They don't know who's going to a uh, military sur uh, surgery center. Um, right. They don't know who's going to retail clinics or uh, independent urgent care. They don't know who's in a narrow network um, uh, or an ACO. And to me, it's, it's sort of flying blind, I should say. Um, you know, and certainly individual practices don't know where else their patients are going or where they're going to if they leave. So, you know, which I would think, again, would be business 101. It's business, it is business 101, but yeah. I think so many organizations, they, they don't realize they have a problem until they really have a problem. Mm -hmm. And... Volume is typically a lacking indicator, not a leading indicator. Because mm -hmm. you may find your volumes being relatively static, but your patient base is aging out. Or you're retaining, if you're a good organization, you may be retaining patients, but you're not bringing new, new patients in. Mm -hmm. Or you're bringing in new patients that may be in a different category of payer or different category of demog other demographics mm -hmm. than what a foresightful chief executive officer will want to have to build their practice for the long term. Sure, sure. Well, aside from volume, which may in fact be a, a lagging indicator, um, you know, there's payer mix, of course, that also tells you something. Here in Denver, where we are, there was a wonderful article a couple months ago about merger and acquisition spate we're going through, have yeah. been going through, and the building boom we're going through in terms of hospitals and and, um, you know, there are, way down in the article, they were talking about how um, there's some empty exam rooms and there's some empty beds uh, as well. They found that volume has been increasing. This is 2009 to 2018 so far. Mm -hmm. Their volume had been increasing about 1% a year. And I went back and I looked at what population growth has been over that same time. Yeah. And population growth has been 1.7 and 1.8% annually. So 
the question is, is where is that point seven getting their care? Where are they going? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I would contend that most of us don't know. I think excellent comment because, again, I, I have opportunities to talk with chief executives in a number of organizations, and oftentimes they'll brag about they're maintaining their patient base. Mm-hmm. Are they seeing growth? Mm-hmm. But I've not thought in the context of what is happening in your community. Right. You know, are you, are you see, you know, is your growth exceeding that of the community or is your growth at less? And if so, you're actually losing patients mm-hmm. or losing opportunities. Right. And I would guess that in both cases, you don't know what's happening to your competitors. Your competitors are... Well, they're not going to tell you. <laughs> no, they're not going to tell you. Your competitors are far more varied than they ever have been. Yeah. You know, the consumer choice is, has been exploding. Yes. Um, so I would imagine that at point seven, for example, that volume number, by the way, included outpatient. Okay. Um, we start off a discussion about how younger patients have different thoughts and different processes of how they choose a doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, now we looked at how to look at an organization, are you gaining or losing patients over time? Mm-hmm. How do we meld the two together? Again, looking at what are new patients, because you talked earlier about how younger patients have multiple sources of health care, mm-hmm. and oftentimes they're much more transitory. In other words, they will seek urgent care if they need to have a problem, not necessarily looking at building a long-term relationship with a, with a practice or a health system. Mm-hmm. So how do we manage to acquire new patients and how do you retain them so they come to your organization first and not just look for convenience? So there was a Salesforce study, I think it was two years ago or so, that, uh, and 80% of those surveyed said uh, their experience is uh, as important as the clinical care they get. So they're looking for a less unpleasant <laughs> encounter. Yeah. And I think that the tactic, the strategy, um, for keeping patients and attracting new ones includes the kind of investment in changing patient experience. Yeah. Uh, I want to stop for a second because I think you make a very good point. And in fact, something that you may not be aware of, Bill, is that in the December executive view, I interviewed Susan Childs from North Carolina, and Susan talked about patient experience mm-hmm. and the importance of having the practice executives view their organization from the point of the pers- of perspective of the yes. patient. You know, when you walk in the front door, what is your what is your first experience? And focusing on building experience because you don't see things when you see them every day, mm-hmm. but yeah. your patients see them for the first time. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about patient experience and how that builds in a marketing context, which is different. It is different. And you mentioned you know coming in the front door, and the first person, person uh, they will normally encounter is the lowest paid person in the organization. That's uh, true. Uh, we don't invest a whole lot in, in the front office. But... You know, it's more than just being nice. It's mm-hmm. about establishing an expectation in terms of marketing. I always say brand yep. is uh, part expectation and part experience. Yes. Um, and if the experience doesn't meet the expectation, you've got dissatisfaction. 
that's customer dissatisfaction. Excellent comment. So, <laughs> so, um, but uh, the kind of expectation uh, you have can, or, or you establish can be anything from economical to fast to luxury to uh, heroic care to you name a uh, uh, price yeah. uh, and well, the like. Again, I think excellent comment regarding setting patient expectations mm -hmm. as well based on the experience of the patient mm -hmm. and using that patient expectation to promote the, the brand and the image of your health system mm -hmm. you know, to other patients. And I, would, I actually think, too, that each service line should probably have its own set of expectations mark a, an important change in patient satisfaction. And I'm talking not just about, not just about hospitals or hospital systems, but um, anybody. Yeah. You the, know. The, the, the one doctor private practice mm -hmm. has the same problem and the same solutions exactly. as that thousand doctor health system. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, uh, and one of the uses that data can um, be put to is to see what your strength is. Yeah. A lot of times you don't know yourself. That's um, right. You know. Uh, you know, one of the things that the C-suite is uh, and top management is paid to do is to think uh, strategically in ways that meet your financial strategy, you know, that fulfill your uh, financial strategies, uh, your human resources uh, issues. Uh, you take care of your people. In our case, you um, go on this high-wire act of trying to bring relief to people. Um, and they think, again, they're paid to think that way. But what it translates is, into is that a lot of our policies and a lot of our public face are responses to administrative needs mm -hmm. and labor needs and, and certainly uh, cost needs, in life. not necessarily consumer needs. And I don't mean to be saying that people don't care about their patients or don't mm -hmm. work hard to put their patients first or anything, but in terms of the operations of a practice, a hospital, a hospital system, normally uh, it's based first and foremost on the administrative needs, the strategic needs of the organization. Bill, let's, let's just wrap things up because we've had a, a very good conversation. Um, let's, let, let me pose you a couple of questions. Okay. Number one is, how does an organization identify who their current patients are? I think they're, it's looking at their own transactional data and adding to that commercially available claims and demographic data. Good. Secondly, how do you better use that information to reach patients that you want to have in your practice? You recount your own successes. You look from your data and from the anecdotes of, of your staff, you see how they came to you. You know, was it by phone? Was it online? Was it, uh, was it a walk-in? You know, was it from a different uh, zip code, uh, et, et cetera? And you replicate your successes. Okay, and lastly, how do you keep those patients satisfied mm -hmm. and also how do you understand if the patients may be going elsewhere for their care yeah in other words you want to retain those patients but how do you do that mm -hmm. i think it depends on setting discrete expectations reasonable discrete expectations per practice or per service line or per service and meeting them 
uh, and that requires some. That often requires some operational change mm -hmm. as well. And uh, knowing where else they're going uh, remains a sort of black hole yeah. in American healthcare. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, maybe looking at a bigger picture, how does in a large organization that chief executive understand what is happening because oftentimes these are responsibilities of their subordinates. So what would be a few indicators that, uh, that a chief executive officer or chief operating officer of a practice can look at to understand what is happening and, or to give targets to their subordinates? So the signs of distress or success are pretty much the same mm -hmm. as they've always been. How can they challenge their their directors who work who work for them mm -hmm. for, to to be doing the right thing for the organization? How do they challenge their staff? With marketing, I think the goal should be yes, payer mix and, mm -hmm. and volume, <laughs> right? But um, also share of wallet. Mm -hmm. And uh, what what matters is um, isn't the number of people you get through your door. It's from a business standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, how much of the how much of the wallet mm -hmm. for ortho or infusion, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, do you command? Good. What would be your advice to an organization who is wanting to reach additional patients, knowing the challenges that we have of reaching these this younger generation? Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what would be your advice? We've talked about demographics and managing it. How, just to summarize, how do you reach out to people? The traditional means of advertising are going away. So how do you reach out on an individual basis? Well, they are going away, but I wouldn't ignore them. Um, you know, they're, uh, at Gelb, um, we did a survey, we do an annual survey of marketing departments, and the investment and in, in hospital marketing uh, departments still is going largely to um, traditional advertising. Mm -hmm. And um, and we now need to put like Google ads and things like that in the category of traditional. Yes. <laughs> um, it's been around long enough. Um, but um, going digital is really important. Yeah. Just as important is uh, differentiation. And uh, when you are actually, when you can name your own, what makes you different Again, it can be any level of service you want, um, uh, but what makes you different, then given your internal data, you can tell what kind of media, what kind of communications preferences yeah. your, your clients have, your patients have, yeah. I should say. As I say, replicate your success. Replicate your success. Excellent comments. Bill, thank you so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk today and for me to learn new things. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. It was an honor. Thank you, Bill.